So we're going to read an ad for this week's other sponsor, Basecamp. When you use Basecamp to run projects, people know what to do, people know where things are, and do you stay on top of everything all the time? Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot, sponsored by N Transmission Games. This week, we'll be playing Pelgrane's 13th Age with special guest Curtis Weeb from the comic Rat Queens. But first, a word from our sponsor. Splinter is a tabletop role-playing game where you delve the infinite levels of a randomly generated dungeon. You will find, craft, and wield high-tech artifacts left behind by a pantheon of lost, advanced civilizations in your struggle to survive the denizens and dangers of the Splinter. The catch is all of your adventures are recorded and broadcast as the premier source of entertainment for the people of Earth's dystopian future. Perish in the Splinter, and your player is just as dead as his avatar. Kill your way to the top, and your player can become a star. The Splinter is about to become even more awesome with the addition of two new books to the Splinter family. Ugly Things, which will include a menagerie of weird and terrifying and fascinating creatures, and sometimes little wondrous things that will include a treasure trove of weapons, equipment, magic items, and technology, along with a grimoire of brand new spells. Check out Splinter Surprising Things on Kickstarter today. Heroes, this week we're playing 13th Age by Pelgrane Press. 13th Age was designed by Rob Heinso and Jonathan Tweet of Dungeons & Dragons 4th and 3rd Edition, respectively. There are a lot of edition wars surrounding older versions of D&D, and everybody has their own take on what D20 fantasy is supposed to be. What I love about 13th Age is that it represents a bridging of the gap between many different mindsets. For many, 3rd Edition and 3.5 were too clunky and unbalanced. For others, 4th edition was too rigid and simplistic. 13th Age takes this criticism in stride, producing a game that provides the depth and freedom of 3.5, the balance and playability of 4th edition, and takes lessons from our friends in story gaming. If you're someone who loves D20 fantasy but haven't quite found your niche yet, or you're just looking for a new experience, 13th Age is definitely a game for you. Because Pelgrane Press loves one-shot and you heroes, they've provided us with a discount code at the Pelgrane store. During the run of this series, one-shot heroes can use the offer code 13thOneShot to receive a $5 discount off of anything in the Pelgrane store. That includes anything in the 13th Age line, along with everything else Pelgrane has to offer, like Knight's Black Agents or Trail of Cthulhu. If we pique your interest with this or any of our other Pelgrane episodes, be sure to get your discount by using the offer code 13thOneShot. That's 1-3-T-H-O-N-E-S-H-O-T. We've got a great episode for you, but first, let's thank our backers on Patreon. Peter Williams. Thank you, Peter. Thanks, Peter. Kendall Young. Thank you, Kendall. Thank you, Kendall. Peter Peace. Simon. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you so much, Peter. Tyler Davis! Tyler Davis! Tyler has been on the show. He has been on the show. What we, you doing giving money to us? We <laughs> are, we're actually, uh, considering, uh, putting Tyler on campaign, too. Uh, so look out for that. Oh! Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know who you're going to play, Tyler. Yep. Uh, so thank you, Tyler, and uh, everybody else can thank you as well when you uh, eventually play the you role that you're going to play. When you ruin everyone's lives. Oh, my God. <laughs> and with all that out of the way, let's get to the show. 
So, heroes, let's meet our party for this week. First up, our first guest is Cat Cool. Hey, James. Hey, bud. Uh, let's talk about your character for this week. Okie doke. Who is she? She's Spriggen. Spriggen. Yeah. Uh, and what is Spriggen? Spriggen is a uh, a half a half elf bard. We'll get that out of the way right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, she is uh, the young daughter of a tavern owner. Physical description style. Mm-hmm. She's uh, almost six feet tall. Ooh. She's pretty tall. Pretty yeah. tall, yeah. Um, and like really willowy. Um, and she accentuates like the willowy and boyish features uh, by being clad head to toe in lots of black leather akin to <laughs> what you see standard rogue fare okay. in D&D. Uh, all of that nonsense. Um, you can't see any visible weapons, but they're probably there. Uh, she plays a lot of instruments, uh, tends to have like a lute or a lyre hanging around her person. Um, at, but, but mostly prefers, uh, the ivories, which she plays for her mom who runs the tavern. Oh, so she is like primarily a piano player. Yes. Which has got to be an interesting instrument for an Which you can't use for to, adventuring right. at all. Yeah. No, she'd rather not adventure, but her life has just pushed her into it time and again. Now pushed her into it. Does that mean that she needs money for some reason? No, it doesn't mean that. What, what, does, what does, well, why did she get into adventures? So she gets into adventures because, uh, her best friend growing up next door went and worked for the, uh, the Mage Academy pretty early on and then, uh, like flunked out. And then the Academy started sending that person on missions. So she kept going to make sure that this person didn't get killed. Uh, she's always been like pretty good at darts, uh, throwing knives, that sort of thing, and is good at psyching up, uh, her best friend. So that's why she does it. Cool, cool. So, uh, you sort of got dragged into the life and, uh, you found a party that you like to work with and yep. you've been working with them. Yeah, that's, I also didn't get to, uh, I think she has brown eyes. She has, uh, like nutmeg brown skin and then, uh, dark hair that she, very long that she pulls up into a ponytail. Cool, yeah. cool. Uh, with that, let's move on to our next party member, a voice that should be familiar to people as he's been on several of our episodes, including the campaign flashback, which was very popular, by the way, Stephen. You know, I saw him. And that is <laughs> Stephen Kropa. Hello. Stephen, why don't you tell us about your character? Uh, um, can... Start with a physical description, and then we'll move into... Great. Uh, my character name is Inkwell. He is a gnome paladin. Um, I picture him more as kind of looking like the classic garden gnome type. Um, okay. So less so than the uh, darker, whatever you know, reboot <laughs> version yeah. of no. <laughs> the, the, uh, the badass. The badass version. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, you know pretty much uh, just think of more practical version. So instead of a pointed hat, it might be flat back a little bit, but still red, uh, a blue tunic. Um, he is a world traveler. Um, so he's got some. He's got a red beard, but there's gray in it because he's seen some stuff. Um, he is strong, but he doesn't really like. Using that, he's more of a of a communicator. But if he gets in the pinch, he he will. He'll back. stand up yeah, for what's right. Up. Yeah. Uh, height wise, I'd say you know he's kind of on the taller end of the gnomes, probably four and a half feet, something like that. Ooh, okay. Ooh, um, yeah. Uh, so like yeah, a tall, lanky gnome. Tall, now lanky uh, gnome. he wears uh, heavy armor. So mm-hmm. uh, how does that how does that play into his character? Like, is he wearing his tunic over it? Is he not like showing? Yeah, off? Yeah, no, he's not showing off. He, I mean, he he kind of plays everything literally close to the chest. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah, heavy armor underneath the blue tunic, and um, but but he's strong enough to where it doesn't break his stride. Right. Um, because I think well, yeah, he's been he's a priest of three churches. Yeah. But he doesn't really believe in anything. He just likes community. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, you know? yeah, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. So he is literally in churches for the community mm-hmm. aspect of them. That's neat. And so where does he think he gets his powers from if he doesn't really believe in anything? Man, just everybody else. <laughs> that's that's neat. So he's drawing on others for those mm-hmm. powers. That's cool. Huh. Oh, actually, Stephen, do you yes. have any projects uh, online or in person that you want to tell people about? Uh, being aware that this is going to be up in like four or five weeks. Four or five weeks. Um, four or five weeks. Actually, uh, three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, my show just closed last night. Actually, my, oh, no. my recent play. Uh, we keep catching you. Yeah, right. Whatever that thing. Um, I'm gonna have a show opening in at Annoyance Theater uh, in Chicago uh, in October. I don't have the title yet because we haven't started rehearsals yet. Uh, <laughs> but it's a sketch show. It's gonna be fun. Um, so watch the Annoyance website. Watch the Annoyance website. It'll be Thursdays at eight. Cool. Yeah. So, and then uh, Twitter is at Cropa Cabana. Cropa Cabana. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's a cute. good one. That's a good one. Uh, <laughs> let's let's move on to our special guest for this week. Uh, you might recognize his work on the wonderful comic Rat Queens. Uh, Curtis Weeb. Curtis, welcome to the show. Hey. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Uh, seriously, thank you so much for joining We're us. We're really excited about this. Yeah. I don't think we've properly <laughs> yeah, expressed we, we how much not, we love Rat Queens. We haven't, we haven't done the uh, fangirl fanboy freakout yeah, yet. Yeah, not so yet. We'll, we'll <laughs> it's try, coming, though. We'll try to tone that down. Um, first, before we get into anything else, I want to point out that Curtis also has an actual play podcast. Uh, so I know... Yeah. A lot of uh, one-shot fans are clamoring for more actual play content. Uh, so, Curtis, why don't you tell us a little bit about your actual play before we get into your character? Sure. Uh, so I've been running a Edge of the Empire Star Wars actual play. Um, it's called Bop and Banter. That's just the name of our crew. And uh, it's Edge of Empire. And, and if anyone hasn't played it, you guys obviously run it as well. But um, mm-hmm. for anyone else that hasn't played it, it's basically you're playing criminals for the most part. You're on the edge of the, edge of the, in the outer rim. Our group is, is set on Narshada. Their criminals are getting caught up in a very, uh, complex Custom. plot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the whole premise of my game is a, it's an open world. So I don't really have any story planned ever when I go into it. I literally just go with the choices that they make. And there's a whole bunch of factions that are at play. And I update the factions and their schemes every week. And that affects the game differently in different ways. And so. I also do a GM's corner where I talk a bit about how that the faction system affected the last session, and so you kind of get it from both sides. Anyway, we're pretty pretty early on at this point. We've I think we've done four regular. Yeah, yeah, and I, it's a really interesting contrast. Yeah, to that's ours, cool actually. because mine's incredibly planned. That's like the <laughs> yeah. I I well I play I play sandbox, so like I'm not I'm not putting the boys on rails at yeah. all. I can do whatever, but I, I have like story plans for for them to push them into specific like vulnerable emotional places. That's what I'm aiming for. So so it, it's interesting to. I'm gonna have to listen. Yeah, I, the, the, con- the contra- see how varies. Yeah, I think the I, I checked your guys. Uh, yours, yeah, it definitely has. Like, I know my, the thing is, I know my players, and I know that there's not a yeah. chance in hell any of them would take any of it seriously. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I, that's fair. I don't bother wasting my time on trying to make things emotionally sure. meaningful. Uh, I just let them go nuts because every time I've tried, they've just completely derailed it. So. I think your show is a really interesting example of that living world principle because your players have done some pretty over the top crazy things. Uh, <laughs> and the way that world absorbs those and reacts to those is interesting. And it's like just a way different yeah, style really than cool. the way that we I'm do it. I'm excited to listen yeah. to it now. Uh, it, yeah. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to have a link to it in the show notes. Uh, so I encourage everybody to check that out. 
and with that, Curtis, uh, why don't you tell us about your character for this All week? All right, so I am playing Condor with a K. And uh, she is a dwarf barbarian. And she... Um, I sent these folks a picture, so I'm just kind of referring to it. She's got fairly braided hair. Uh, she's, you know, average size for a dwarf, like, you know, four foot three, but she's very, very strong, very fit. She has basically lived her life traveling on the, on the road um, ever since she left home. And she wears lots of furs and uses a spear. Uh, she's a little bit primitive in a lot of ways. She doesn't quite fit into a lot of modern society. Um but her backstory basically is, is that Condor left a, a very ex, um, exclusionist, isolated family that lived deep in the mountains, and they lived very fearfully of the outside world. And so she lived a very sheltered, very, very sheltered life before she decided that the things that her parents told her about the outside world couldn't be true, and she had to find out if there was any truth to them, uh, which ties into one of the things that I said about her is that she values the truth above all things because she found her parents lied to her about everything when she left. Uh huh. Mm. So that's interesting, uh, especially uh, for this, uh, for like an adventuring world. Like, what could your parents tell you about the outside world that isn't ultimately true? Because the world is like full of horrible <laughs> monsters yeah. and like evil people. <laughs> well, if we want to do. I can sprinkle in some of this setting because we are playing the we are playing that the we're playing 13th, 13th age, age setting. Yeah. Well, um, I explained it in the preamble. Okay, bit. cool. Uh, so I bet that they probably talked about how uh, the Fae have taken over above ground because Ooh. they dwarves were torn apart by drow a while ago. And drow, uh, all elves in this setting are part of like a, a Fae high court. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like the time of the, the unseelie creatures running amok. Uh, and that is simply not true at all. Right. Okay. Okay. So yeah, these guys sort of sealed themselves off, uh, telling you, you all sorts of terrible things about the surface world and you decided to see it for yourself. Yeah. Uh, and then you fell in with these, uh, <laughs> jokers. Uh, so with that, now that we know the party, let's begin our adventure. And our adventure is actually going to start off at the very last scene of your last adventure. Uh, you guys are in a the final room to what has become a dungeon. It was once an underground temple to the great gold worm. Uh, this is the lawful good god of this universe uh, whose body physically seals the abyss from entering this world. Uh, it is a great gold dragon uh, that fights eternally so that all creatures can live in a relative peace. The outer rooms were full of traps and monsters uh, as you worked closer to the center of this dungeon. Uh, you've been fighting more and more animated statues. Now you guys are fighting the last great guardian in the temple. It's a huge animated statue that stands about 20 feet tall. Uh, you guys are in a large treasure room. First up, let's go with Kat. Kat, what is your character doing? So I am uh, currently, I like previously scaled up onto uh, like a little parapet that's running around the, that's high, like an arch that's high up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have two crossbows out and I am shooting at the face of the statue, trying to distract it and turn it around. Uh, it's so large that it like, it slowly turns. Um, so I'm just trying to keep its attention away from the groups, the troops mobilizing on the ground. Okay. And between Condor and Inkwell, uh, which one of you is taking advantage of this distraction? Uh, yeah, I think 
I'll see the gun. Yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, I'm basically gonna, I'm using this advantage to throw myself into the situation. I'm not, I mean, these, these otherworldly things freak me out a lot. Um, I'm not happy about the fact that there's a statue that lives. That, that's weird to me. And my parents were probably right about a few things, I have to begrudgingly admit, as I try to <laughs> batter this thing down, uh, piece by piece. So while, uh, the statues is focusing its attention on your friend, uh, you run up to its feet. Describe your attack for me. What, what, how does your character approach that attack? I leap into the fray. And what, the one thing that I'm looking for, because it's made of stone, and if there's anything that I understand, it's it's how stone works and, and its weaknesses. I'm looking for any kind of fissures or cracks in its body, and I'm going to jam my spear in there and just do just reef on the on the shaft of the spear. So you're using uh, the natural leverage uh, provided by flaws in the stonework uh, to destabilize it. Uh, the statue starts rocking a little bit. Inkwell, uh, how do you finish it off? I uh, go around the other end mm-hmm. to the other leg, and almost as if we were tying their shoelaces together, <laughs> I uh, attack the other leg to trip them up. Oh, well, you know what? I actually really like that. Yeah. Um, I, I'd say uh, because because Condor has put spears into the flaws mm-hmm. in its uh, stonework, you have uh, ways that you can tie this thing up. Mm-hmm. So how does your how does your character go about uh, doing the old Melvin on this guy? Oh, boy. Uh, so being as tall and nimble as he is, uh, uh, he pulls out a trusty rope, because uh, you never leave home without rope, uh, and goes over under Cat's Cat's Cradle on one end and runs through the legs, and then through the legs again. Yeah. So, so doing, <laughs> doing figure eight patterns, yeah. deftly, uh, darting between, uh, the creatures it attacks. It's starting to try and lunge forward, uh, to strike at both Condor and Inkwell. And the arrows, uh, have stopped distracting it. Um, at this point, uh, the sorcerer that travels with you, Archibald, um, fires at uh, the beast's head. A firebolt jets through the air, striking between its eyes. Uh, it tries to step back to stabilize itself, but obviously having its legs bound up uh, and the being it that it spears in the flaws in its mason work, it tears its feet apart, falls backwards against the wall, uh, and its mighty glowing eyes that denoted its living uh, status slowly fade away. And the beast is defeated. And with the great guardian defeated, your prize lies before you. Uh, while some out- items down here are clearly of religious importance and the church, which sent you on this mission, will no doubt want them back unmolested, there are some objects in this room that are purely, de- that have purely decorative features and you don't think anybody's going to miss those. And perhaps the most valuable is a gleaming sapphire set into the crown on top of a cold gold dragon uh, depicted in the center of the room. Uh, the great gold worm is depicted in all of its magnificence in pure carved gold. And the sapphire sit uh, atop its head on a crown. Archibald uh, goes towards the sapphire and removes it from the head of the statue. Um as he removes it, uh, some of you notice uh, that gold chains, which were around the room attached to the walls, uh, slowly fall. The sound echoes throughout the room as he grabs it. And the patina and dust that covered many of the artifacts in the treasure room uh, begins to fall away. 
and the cool, musty dungeon air starts to warm as divine light radiates from this massive holy symbol. And you guys feel a sensation that accompanies most healing magic. A gentle, quiet warmth fills your bodies. And then the head of the worm begins to rumble, and you realize the room is actually still getting warmer. The head continues to get grow warm until it starts to melt. Uh, guys? <laughs> guys, what's going on? Archie, what is going on? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just grabbed the sapphire. We need to be paid, right? Right, right, but you should have replaced it with something before you did that. Oh, that's a good idea. That's a really good idea. Ow! Um, Archibald turns and sees that uh, the chain, which is now hanging loosely around the room, is starting to heat up uh, to be red hot, and gold is starting to rain from the ceiling. Uh, so with that, how do you prepare your comrades for danger? And I am going to put this question to Spriggan. Okay. Um. So Sprig first adjusts her uh, her outfit. It's really. It's not even armor, really. It's a, it's an outfit. It's an ensemble. You gotta um, look stylish. When, when a room is turning to liquid gold, the first thing you should do is adjust. Is adjust your your mm-hmm. costume, yeah. But well, she takes her half cape, which is black on the outside and red on the inside, and uh, turns it up over her head. So mm-hmm. now it looks absolutely ridiculous, but it's much more functional, and she's not being pelted by gold, uh, by by liquid gold. And then um, she starts singing. Uh, I think we're going to call it the hurry up song, which is exactly what it sounds like. She's just like, time to go. It's time to go. Hurry up. Everybody out. Um, which is, uh, something that you guys all kind of have come across. Uh, she has several small ditties like the, it's the, like the cleanup song, uh, <laughs> like the get out of my bar song, um, <laughs> that signal to you guys you're supposed to be doing something. And, uh, that's, that subtly compel you to start doing that. Um, and she starts looking around for, uh, for an exit, making, peeking through back the way that we came, trying to make sure that it's a clear path. Yeah. Archibald, who is in front of the large gold statue, uh, which is now starting to melt quite quickly, uh, jumps up onto a, uh, damaged pillar, uh, that's nearby. Um, as the gold in the room that's raining down from the ceiling starts to form a shallow molten pool on the floor. Let's go to, uh, Condor. Condor, how are you reacting to this? What do you do, uh, to protect yourself? Well, I cuddle up as close as I possibly can to Spriggan. Her songs have always inspired me. Um, offhandedly, I whisper, Thank you for not singing the It's Time to Clean Up song. I don't think that would have been appropriate in this situation. Uh, but I'm going to stick as close as I can. I'm also going to take a quick look around. I think that the, the best way is to go back the way we came because I think wasting time is not not a good idea right now. So I'm actually just going to start moving in that direction. I say we need to hurry up in this, this direction the way we came. Let's move to Inkwell. Inkwell. Same situation. How mm-hmm. how are you uh, reacting? Uh, In- Inkwell uh, buttons up his uh, blue tunic and starts. He hums the songs. He loves the songs. He 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 owns them all on laser disc. Uh, <laughs> he's like, time to go, time to go, and he's like looking uh, to help out Archibald uh, get down. So um, he's trying to notice to see if maybe the stone figure's toes are still sticking out or something to to kind of like 
figure out it's the it's the couch moving the couch downstairs situation trying to yeah. figure out right. with each other so how yeah. to get everything out. You're, yeah. you're like trying to coordinate with Archibald, mm-hmm. and as you believe you've uh, cleared a path, you take your trusty rope again, yes. uh, still attached to the stone statue, which has anchored it very well to the floor, uh, and you are holding it firmly so that Archibald would be able to cross mm-hmm. and and escape freely. Just as Archibald begins uh, the treacherous climb across this rope, uh, the now unrecognizable gold dragon statue starts to bubble uh, and warp as you see a clawed hand emerge from the uh, center of the pool. It lashes out and cuts the rope. Uh, pulling itself out of the molten gold, uh, you see a frenzy demon it is a horrible orange clawed monstrosity that is from the depths of the abyss as it climbs out several dretches begin to hop out around it uh if somebody wants to make a role that would have to do with uh knowing about demons or religion uh you are entitled to do that now sure yeah. Okay. Uh, what am I rolling? You would roll a oh. d20, and I believe uh, your knowledge of religion is a five, or what is it? Is it a, a priest of so three it's a background? churches? Yeah, yeah, so it would be right, one of your right, right. backgrounds. So in this system, rather than having individual skills, you have your backgrounds. Mm. Oh, there we go. Uh, and your backgrounds have a short sentence about your character's life and experience. If that's relevant to the task at hand, mm-hmm. you roll and add that, and uh, that is how you do your skills. Great. Okay. Yeah, so I have a rank four because I'm a priest in three different churches. Mm-hmm. So I have some background in five. Five so plus your... Four. Four. Uh, so that it, that comes to a nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, you don't know much about uh, demons and monsters uh, of the of like the abyssal nature. Right. You've heard rumors mm-hmm. and stories, and they're all pretty bad. Uh, one rumor that you've heard is the dretch, the smallest demon, is something that appears when a larger demon is injured. Uh, they are literally living blood of a demon. Uh, so as this creature, uh, wailing in the molten gold lake, uh, emerges, it separates you from Archibald, severing the rope. So I'm gonna kick this question over to Sprig. Sprig, you are by the entrance. Uh, Inkwell is like also like sort of close to the entrance and that we've established that Condor is over by you, Sprig. Sprig, how do you try and help your friend? So Archie is my best friend from childhood. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, as soon as the rope's cut, you know, that's, uh, she makes a strangle in the back of her throat and then starts, uh, booking back, uh, and just says, move it, soldier! Which is, uh, a bardic ability called move it, which would grant mm-hmm. a free move action. Um, so she, like, is reaching out, uh, trying to, through the power of scaring him, <laughs> <laughs> as, as she's always been good at, to, to jolt him into to quick action. Yeah, so you snap Archie out of his daze. Yeah. Um, he starts to scramble on the sides of the room, uh, using his magic to aid him in uh, holding on to uh, different still safe handholds on the walls. He moves out of the grasp of the frenzy demon, uh, and he is very nearly to you now. He is hanging off the side of the wall. You're reaching over to him as the growing gold lake is just barely separating you. And now I have a crushing question. Either Kat, you can answer this or anybody else can answer this mm-hmm. if they have an idea. Why do you fail to help your friend? Oh, I have an answer. Yeah, what is it? Uh, I go try to help and I bump into you and we both miss him. Oh, 
oh, that's so sad and beautiful. <laughs> so I'm like reaching as hard as yeah. I can. Yes. But the, but the floor is like melting away so fast that I can't get enough purchase and we're almost right. there. Right. And Inkwell's reeled in the rest of the rope to try to help with that and he's running over, uh, to get and usually his nimble and steady feet fail him. So he tries, he starts so, so to topple over. Right. I grab his cape instead to haul him back, back up. Yeah. And you, yeah. So like in the instant of that moment, you save Inkwell. It's not enough to save them both. Uh, so, uh, Archibald has to lean back and says, just go. Um, and he casts a spell that starts to seal the door, um, where he is. Uh, and your party has to make hastily their way through that door, uh, sealing him in the room with the demons and the gold lake. Uh, so now we're going to cut to the future. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so that was your last adventure. Uh, how much time do you think has passed between now and then? Let's say it's, it's been, let's just say it's like a, actually a short amount of time. It's been two weeks since that fateful day. Just yeah. two weeks. Just yeah. two mm-hmm. weeks. And we'll go around the horn. Uh, let's, let's start with, uh, Stephen. Stephen, where is Inkwell in this time? Inkwell is in a, uh, dark place, man. Inkwell is, is in, well, he's in a library. So it's, <laughs> but, but he's it's in, like well lit. Well, it's well lit, but he's, it's a, uh, he, he snuck some drinks in there and he's just been slowly pouring over like how, how can he go back? What can he do? Um, just reading and he just feels terrible, you know? Oh, I like that. So, um, because you are saying that in the two weeks period of time, uh, since you lost your friend, I you, meant, yeah, you've been reading. I, I will slip in a background that is reading in the library at one. So if, uh, you need to roll anything that is like regarding, uh, demons or these monsters specifically, you can add your reading in the library to it. Um, what about Sprig, Kat? So Spridge. Spridge. <laughs> she and Archie live next door to each other growing up and her, she lives in a tavern that her mom owns and, uh, what's, the Andrews live next door. <laughs> do you realize that you did that? I do. 100% I realize <laughs> um, that I did that. And uh, the thing about Spridge is that she's she was a fairly lazy child. She likes uh, sunbathing. She likes reading reading uh, the medieval equivalent of magazines. Um, and uh, likes faffing around with music and dancing and whatnot. But Archie was really helpful at the tavern. Like, that's he worked at the mage school all day, then would come in the evenings uh, and serve as either a bouncer, because he was kind of a big guy, or help out cooking, or, uh, you know, um, be, or work as a barback. So she has been kind of in a insomniac daze of doing all of his work, uh, in a way that's completely uncharacteristic for her. And then going out all night to the rat races and racing her rats. Um, that's so, uh, as far as anyone that knows her, that she like works all day, then is out all night and then works all day. Right, right. So you have just been throwing yourself into your work, yep. uh, trying not to deal with it. Yep. And I have a question. Have you told the Andrews family? Yeah, that- in the montage that we had, mm-hmm. the, the, the sad music montage, yeah. yes. that's the, the last thing is her, like, uh, she has to have something of his. I don't know. Uh, maybe he always wore these stupid gloves, you know, mm-hmm. that's, and, uh, she got those in the grasping. Yeah. Oh the, man, she just managed to grab the gloves. Yeah. The twisting that, uh, <laughs> while knocking on 
the front door. <laughs> yeah. So we'll we'll cut away from that. And Curtis, how does Condor approach this? So so Condor has she generally finds when she needs time to think, she goes out into the natural world and the the town itself is just a reminder of the complexities of life and she wants to bring it back to the basics. So she she leaves and, and just a little ways outside of town there's this place called the Broken Hill where she and Archie used to go hang out. And uh, there's this little crack, and they call it the Broken Hill because there's a crack at the top of the hill that you can drop down into and do a little spelunking. And that's what we used to do. We used to go, you know, the, the mountains are my home. And so being underground, we used to go down there and we'd search these little caverns. And it's, it's, it's a small little quaint place compared to my home, but it was a little place that I could go to feel to feel dwarvish and, and to feel like my, my people again. So we would go down there and we'd go spelunking and go through these caves. And so we had little, uh, you know, we'd carve our names into the wall. And so I'm just going back and revisiting some memories and uh, just trying to find myself centered again. Uh, so as you guys are in your various places of grief in an over-the-shoulder shot, long over-the-shoulder shot, we see behind you a shadowed figure crosses the lens of the camera. Really? And <laughs> oh, oh yeah. We're doing this right now? <laughs> We're 100% doing this. And when you guys look up or behind you, uh, you see a small scroll that's uh, bound in what looks like an animal skin that is marked with uh, the name crudely drawn and common adventurer on it as you each unroll these scrolls uh it says i know what you did with the instructions uh to meet you uh on the edges of town by the broken hill so i'll give you guys an opportunity to come together before the meeting and sort of discuss what's going on. Uh, we'll say that you're in the na- in the tavern, and once again, the tavern's name is. Uh, it's the Emperor's Cheek. The Emperor's <laughs> Cheek, mm-hmm. and it has like a, a picture of him like pushing his finger into his cheek, all all saucily. <laughs> the Emperor is a uh, he's like the God King, more or less. Of, yeah, mm-hmm. of of the setting. Of the setting. <laughs> um, I I love that. So you yeah, you're at the Emperor's Cheek. Um. You're sitting around discussing uh, the message that you received. Well, am I discussing it or am I busily working? So, yeah, well, uh, but uh, Condor and Inkwell, at least, are are there. You think that she would have a few moments of her time to talk about this letter that I showed to her when I entered the room. Five minutes is all I'm asking. She's she's avoiding something. She's avoiding this conversation. Condor, you need need to understand that. I don't even know. Just, let's just give her time. What do you think this is? I found this at the bottom of my drink. I don't even know how it got there. Well, I, I found it when I was in the, in the broken hill, uh, in the cave. Just kind of appeared behind me. It was a little creepy. You came from the broken hill to here, and we have to go back to the broken hill. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to talk to you guys. I haven't seen you for a few okay, days. All right, and... okay. We could have just met you there, but that's... All right. I like walking. All right. Spridge goes by with a, a tub with uh, dishes in it. She doesn't appear like she's going to come over. Mm-hmm. Inkwell grabs one of the dishes out of it that still has a little bit of meat inside and finishes it. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to do that. I'm not supposed to lose my friend either. I ex- <sighs> Whew, chilly. She just pauses and glares at you. He glares back. Normally, the, the the light dancing in his eye of his genial personality is gone. And 
at the sight of that, that's pretty disheartening. She kind of slumps and, uh, like, slumps along the back of, uh, of Condor's chair. Okay, so I think this is the Prince of Shadows, and I really don't want to do it. Well, I think that you don't get to make that decision. I feel like I do. Uh, Archie was my friend, and, uh, I am the person who has had to deal with this Prince of Shadows before it. No goods come of it. I bet he's the one that killed Archie. I don't want to deal with this. We're not dealing with this. I don't want more of you to die. I, can we not talk about this anymore? Hey, look, I like Archie as much as the as the rest of you, but... Did you? Yeah, I, I did. But the, let's be honest about something here. The fact is that he took that crown, and we all were... I wasn't going to take it. It felt wrong. The earth felt wrong in that place. I tried to tell you. And he ignored that warning. We didn't kill him. He made his choice. We're all culpable in this. And if there's anything I can do to stop it or reverse it, I will. And if you're not going to join me, that's fine. But I'd feel better if you did. I really don't think you should. Well, I don't really think I should have drank what I just drank, but I did, so I'm going to keep doing stuff I shouldn't do. (sighs) Fine. What do you think this entails? Well, I think there was hair in that or something, and it was like (laughs) backwash mostly. Mostly backwash. We talked about this. Mostly backwash. You know, oh, the adventure. Right. No, I was talking about the drink. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you guys sort of have, uh, that, like, graveyard humor smirk on your faces, uh, and it sort of washes away as, uh, you solemnly, uh, settle up the bill and head out of town together, uh, towards the Broken Hill. The Broken Hill is not that far from town. It's about <laughs> a mile's walk, um, towards the sunset. Uh, you've got your gear on you because you have no idea what could be happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and you approach the hill. Uh, the sun is glowing red set just atop the hill. Uh, the air is cool. This is late summer. Uh, so while the days are nice and warm, the nights are just a bit chilly. And you see by the hill a figure in a cloak. Its body is bent somewhat unnaturally. Its movements are staggered um, and almost uh, automatic looking. But the vacuous shadowy hole and the head center of the hill uh, of the uh, cloak turns to you and a arm like very slowly and steadily reaches out and then beckons you forward. Do you think he means us? Well, I think he means. I, mean, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good about okay. this. I mean, <laughs> I don't see anything possibly foreboding about this. I feel confident. I just move forward. So yeah, you you move forward uh, to the uh, the cloaked figure, and it speaks in many rasping whispers. Adventurers. Obviously, that will sound more impressive in post production. <laughs> <laughs> Adventurers, you who entered the temple of the golden worm. Mm-hmm. Do yep, I have yep. it right? No, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah, yeah, was that's the that's... time we agreed on. Yeah. Or I told you to be here. We're all, yeah, we're all here. None of us are early. You okay. who <laughs> dared venture into the temple of the golden worm. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. That's us, yeah. We've confirmed. Good. Okay. So at this time, uh, you guys get the opportunity, uh, 
to make the equivalent of a spot check, um, yeah. using, a, using a wisdom or a relevant background, uh, if you, if you think you have something, uh, roll it, um, it would key off like your wisdom plus your relevant, uh, your wisdom modifier plus your relevant background. Mm-hmm. And the modifier is the tiny box for those, uh, who have the character sheets. So, so, uh, I, I haven't heard this voice before though, have I? Um, you haven't heard this voice. You've, you've heard, uh, similar voices, but this does not strike you as, uh, the voice of the Prince of Shadows that okay. uh, comes this to you in your dreams. Person. Okay, cool. So, um, I'm going to use all of my, uh, growing up in a tavern surrounded by narrow jewels, mm-hmm. uh, stuff to, to try to see, get a sense of what this person's deal is. I'm looking at, like, their legs i'm looking at what their hands are up to trying yeah. to get a sense of things that way make it make a roll on the d20 sure and you can add your background and your wisdom modifier it's a 13 a 13 uh so what you can tell is that there is something funny going on you don't exactly know what's going on you you've been in the presence of impressive beings before and this doesn't strike you as like some malevolent shadowy force as it is very uh it is trying very hard to appear um the creature continues as you're like sizing it up you must pay for your deeds you have much to answer to you know not what you have unleashed what's just tell us it'd be a lot easier yeah what are you what are you talking about i'm talking about the fact that you released a bunch of demons that's not cool. Oh yeah, I totally mm-hmm. forgot about yeah. that. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry, we've had a lot of on our mind because we lost our friend, but yeah. Oh, you lost a friend. Mm-hmm. I'm super sorry that you lost I a don't friend. Think you hey, are. You, you should don't be. Yeah, you, you should be. You, yeah. It is your fault. You went into the temple. No one's supposed to go into the temple. Well, then they should have a door or something. That's well, they stuff. did. They had well, a door. No, 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 no. A no. series of. This was Archie's fault. This was Archie's fault. We've already discussed this. You weren't this there. This wasn't that Archie's fault. No, no. Are you seriously? Ground. This wasn't Archie's fault. Yeah, wh- what part of dying would be his fault? Taking the crown. That's where it all started. Whoever's fault it was, someone has to answer for it. If you are the friends of this Archie, then that falls to you. You must answer for the crimes of this Archie. And first of all, there was a door. There were traps. There were tons of monsters. Nothing about that place said, oh, please come into this place and mess around with it. There were There were lanterns. Yeah, and we were hired to do a job, and right. we were supposed to be, what? What were we even doing? Getting stuff for, you know, the churches, and then... And, yeah, and we were doing stuff for the church, yeah. so... This is really God's fault. <laughs> Look, you're not blaming God for this. That's the... I'm not accepting that excuse. This falls to you. The And the creature <laughs> uh, stumble for, stumbles forward a little bit as... Uh, it was shaking an accusatory finger. If uh, one of the others wants to try uh, making a roll using mm-hmm. a wisdom modifier or intelligence modifier uh, sure. to see what's going on here, you're uh, entitled to it. Sure. I'm a linguist, so I can speak about any language. Ooh. So I was wondering if I could use that to t- see where they're the from, maybe. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'll grant you a plus two for that. Great uh, plus two for role. that. Cool. So, yeah, you, you definitely are picking up on any accents. Mm-hmm. Fifteen. Fifteen. I have a zero wisdom modifier. Perfect. Uh, no, the fifteen is the number that you were looking for. Right. Uh, so as the creature uh, shakes its finger at you, ridicu- ridiculing you, uh, 
it stumbles a little bit. Uh, and then something strikes you about the accents. Uh, this has a thick, hissing, draconic accent. It's uh, clearly not coming off of the lips of a humanoid mammalian creature. Uh, it's something about the way the tongue moves, something mm-hmm. away about the way the lips stay, stay stiff. It just doesn't speak like uh, normal people would speak. So uh, while your party is still arguing with it, uh, trying to plead your case uh, and your defense, you maneuver your way behind this creature and uh, grab its robe and uh, revealing that this creature is not some mystical shadowy being, but rather a pile of kobolds who have stood atop each other's shoulders uh, to appear in the form of a much taller creature. Do they have, like, a hand on a stick? <laughs> yes. That's good. They have Great. a hand on a stick that they're moving. What? Hey! Whoa! Uh, okay! Classic kobold in a suit get up. Gets me every time. Yeah! Well, you know, you guys still have a lot to answer for. So, says the two-foot-tall creature standing atop the shoulders of uh, two other two-foot-tall creatures. And, you know, there's going to be some wrath and consequences if you guys don't answer for your actions. From you? I don't understand. Yeah, why? What's the... Well, you don't understand what you did. Do you you really not get it? Okay, well, it looks like I need to give you guys a basic history lesson. So the only Yay. reason <laughs> I'm going to ask you to try and refrain from being excited because you are in trouble. Okay, but um, I really like learning. The great worm, the great gold worm holds the seal between our world and the abyss. Now, there are some unseemly forces who would like to weaken that seal or circumvent it. And occasionally when this happens... The church and one of your orders, Paladin, has to send somebody out to seal the hole created. Mm-hmm. And they use gold because t- demons cannot cross gold. Uh, it's just something about their nature. So when you weaken the seal, you release the demons into the world. And yeah. that also means you release them underground. And because you sealed them underground, they've been finding other ways up. And they came through our tunnels... And they've been attacking us for the past couple of weeks, and it's horrible. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, but we're not really... We don't deal with demons. Okay. You you do. You do, because you released them. And look, I'm, I'm not against a little suffering. The great dragon tyrant, uh, you know, commands that kobolds should suffer so that they may be more tender when we need to supplicate his mighty hunger. Uh, but this wasn't a test of the dragon tyrant because the demons are eating us too! Look, I'm sorry you're being eaten by someone you prefer not to be eaten by, but... I, I, Thank I you. Yeah, okay. Finally. All right, okay, here's your, your cloak back. And Thank I, you. What do they do with it? They grab it and like one of them balls it up in his little, <laughs> his little fists and like holds it to his chest, leering at you. As the a top cold bald goes, hey, hey, up here, me. You're dealing with me. I'm the clan mother of this clan and I'm responsible for their safety. So I'm going to threaten you guys right now. If you don't fix this, we're going to leave. And all the kobolds fold their arms and nod at you defiantly. Am I missing something? That's what we want them to do, right? Yeah, I feel like that's what we want them to do. No, I don't think you get it. 
if the kobolds leave their tunnels, then the demons are oh, going to seize the, kobold, the tunnels. All the kobolds. Yeah. I thought you were just we're like, gonna, you three. No. Really? Like, no. Okay. All of us. Oh. That's right. We've got you right where we want you in this negotiation. <laughs> we're all going to take off. And you're not going to have the kobolds around to hold the demons at bay. You're going to have to do it yourselves. And they're going to take over those tunnels. And they're going to start massing an army because that's what demons do. And then they're going to attack this town and all of you and all your families and all your other friends are going to suffer for it because I'm not wasting any more of our daughters protecting your asses. That's fair. I look to Condor because Condor should have knowledge of stuff that goes on, goes on underground. I think this is a thing called a hellhole and one of us should know something about it. So it's like, look at you for confirmation. Yeah, look, all, all, all I can tell you is, is where I come from. And where my family lives is a hellhole, but it has nothing to do with demons. My parents are just assholes. Right. We know you're dealing with stuff, but just let's deal with what's the present right now, you know. <laughs> All right. right we can talk about it I'm later. Sorry. I just get very angry when I... When, no, anyway. I have never heard of anything like this before. I'm sorry. I, I'm not familiar with, with these monstrous creatures. I, I There's nothing I can offer. I could probably guide us down into those tunnels... But as far as what we're dealing with, I don't know. You might want to talk to somebody a bit more religious who got us sent on that quest to begin with. Thanks, God. Oh, I thought you were t- talking to me. Uh, all right. Well, well, uh, Kat, now you're like thinking back to the impetus of that quest. Yeah. Uh, and you got it as a, like somebody was sitting at the end table in, uh, your bar. It was, uh, you know, a handsome man with like a goatee and a little bit of graying temples, mm-hmm. uh, who handed it to you, uh, who, who like handed you the map and like a sack of coins promising that there would be more riches beneath. Uh, and it sort of dawns on you what happened. We uh, have to go back. Yeah. Yeah. I'm... To the bar? No, no, we have to go fix this. Oh. Yeah, we actually messed up. Yeah, we should do. Fight one demon, so we don't have to fight like a bunch of them later on. And it's the right thing to do. And the right thing to do, right, 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 right. right, right, right. uh, Because these fine folks uh, are going to die otherwise. Yes, thank you. Good. It worked. All the cobalt, like, they are slowly, like, getting off of each other's shoulders and, like, standing around, nodding and shaking hands with each other on a job well done. (laughs) Great. Uh, so you go do that and, uh, you know, we'll be copacetic. I mean, we're not going to stop stealing your sheep, but we're not going to yeah. leave either. It's not really a relevant okay. concern. Yeah. Okay, good. So we've got permission to steal sheep now. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. Uh, I, would just say that if we don't... I don't think we have the no. authority to give you permission to steal sheep. I did a lot time. of studying on how to negotiate. We just negotiated the ability to steal your sheep. Uh, we shouldn't have talked He's right. first. He's right. He, that was negotiated. That was definitely part of this deal. Does the All Underdark right, work way different than above ground? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what were you saying, Condor? I, I think that, uh, are we ready to go? I mean, I'm, I want to get out, I want to get out of town. I, I want to return underground. I, I think that, you know, I, I, I'm ready to write what we've done wrong. Yeah, vacation sounds nice. Yeah, well, like an underground vacation, active vacation, but it's a- atoning for our mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Classic us. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to laugh. Uh, mm. 
how do we prepare for missions? What do we do? Big, big meal. Big meal. Big yeah. Big meal before we set mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, yeah, you you go off and you you have a big meal. Mm-hmm. Uh, what 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 does each of you prefer to eat on the day before battle? I'm like mostly borscht based. <laughs> borscht based. Yeah. So just a lot of pots and a lot of bowls and spoons and William. It's 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 a, a buffet style. So feel free to dip in and take a spoonful or a bowlful. But uh, that's that's my wheelhouse. Yeah, uh, I like soups. Now that you know that the <laughs> soups are great. That's they're really easy. You don't have to worry about them a lot. Uh, there's not a lot of chewing involved. Uh, Is borscht prunes or beets? I can't remember. Isn't beets? It's beets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So you 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 both uh, plunk down for some <laughs> sweet root vegetable soup. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Curtis, what about condor? Uh, condor eats cheese. Uh, a lot of cheese. Yeah. She knows that it's going to be a long journey and doesn't want to have to make a lot of stops, so she's just dealing with her digestive system very effectively. Uh, so she just sits down to a wheel of Gouda. Nice. So, yeah, this is a great warrior's feast that sits before you. So what do we know about what, these types of demons? Do we know anything? Yeah, do I need to roll? Yeah, for... you can make oh, a roll okay. um, using intelligence or wisdom uh, right. and uh, your uh, skill, whichever you prefer. Great. Let's, well, I'll use the one that has higher. Uh... <laughs> well, I'll, I'll let you, uh, since that's like a supplemental background that mm-hmm. we just sort of added for you, you can add it so that'll make it four instead of three. Okay. Instead of four. So yeah, priest of three churches plus uh, reading up in the so library. So that'll be five then. It comes, okay. Yeah, yep. it comes to five. Cool. That's three, and then intelligence is three, eleven. Eleven. Okay. So you know more than the average person, but uh, still not much. Mm -hmm. Uh, The libraries are pretty sparse on details about demons because, except in very specified situations, they're not really a problem on this plane, mostly because of the actions of the Great Gold Worm Mm -hmm. uh, sealing away the abyss. Uh, what you do know is that because gold is an aspect of the great gold worm, they are averse to it. Uh, they will not cross a line of gold, uh, and gold burns their skin. So, I mean, really all we need to do is get a bunch of uh, weapons made of solid gold, which um, <laughs> might be a bit difficult since we don't have any gold. Yeah, that seems kind of tricky. Right, right. Yeah. Hmm. Um... Is there anything else we could do? Like, uh, recover the gold. What's wrong with the gold there, you know? It was all melting. It was fine. It's still there. Right? right? It may have solidified by this point. Mm -hmm. But, okay. Logistically, if there was a huge thing of gold and we moved it and it melted, wouldn't it just melt over the area sealing it back up? Yeah. So if that didn't happen, we probably can't use that gold. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, you guys, uh, since that was definitely a magical seal, if any of you knows anything about magic. <laughs> no. Nope. That was all on Archie, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah. If I'm you're, a hobbyist. You're a magical it's hobbyist. Salt in the yeah. there. Roll, roll your, roll okay. your hobbyist <laughs> skill. <laughs> 19 and a 1. 19. Nice job. And a 1 for the rank. So that comes to 20. Yes, it does. Uh, so, yeah, you 
actually do know a lot about sealing magic, mm-hmm. uh, mainly because you have to use it as a paladin occasionally. Mm-hmm. When evil things happen, uh, you've got to seal it away. Uh, you noticed in the fight earlier with the demon that its skin was being burned by the gold. Uh, however, the gold was melting and it was able to part it and swim through it. Uh, thinking back to that sapphire, that sapphire must have had some magical element in it that prevented the gold from heating up over the hellhole. Meaning that it's not that the gold there is bad, it's that the gold there is hot. Mm. Well, that just that just proves my point that we should not have touched the sapphire. But anyway, I'm going to drop that su- that subject for now. <laughs> we obviously should not have dropped the sapphire. All right, we'll give you that one. We just, can agree yeah. that we shouldn't have done. We can put that, that to bed. <laughs> we'll agree. I just don't think there's any point in discussing blame after the fact. No, I, that's that's fair. It's, just, just, it's not productive. It's just not productive. Don't worry. I'll, I'll leave it for now, but I'll bring it up later to yeah. much more. No, more don't bring it. No, we, yeah, we just exactly. just don't bring it we up later. We could resolve it right now. Right. <laughs> we already have enough baggage. He says, holding a big mm-hmm. bundle full of different bags. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, uh, what are we riding out to the? <laughs> How are we getting there? Do we have plans? I mean, like, we can just go do this sapphire thing. But I, I, I worry that we're going to get there. We're going to fight demons. We're mm-hmm. probably going to beat them because, oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, then what? Do more crawl through? How do we reseal it? Well, the the sealing of itself will be fine once we have the sapphire to, to solidify the gold again. Um, so we just need to get the sapphire back. Which That's my understanding. And it's still yeah. there. No. Who had it? Archie it, had it, right? Archie. Yeah, Archie had it. Oh, God. Yeah, because he took it from the... He took it off the... Yeah. Like, do you remember how he took it off? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> which, no, we remember. No, we. Which was a neutral activity at this point. Right. Yeah, we all <laughs> agreed. Uh, okay, so then we go. We search for the sapphire. Mm-hmm. Let's not attack until we find it. Ideally. Right. And uh, we'll put it back. Bing, bing, bang, boom. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. Simple. Good plan. What could go wrong? Nothing. I feel well, like our now, plans used to be a lot tighter. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm thinking back, Archie had most of the planning yeah. skill in the group. Uh, great. Cool. So mm-hmm. are you guys heading out? I think so. Might as well. Oh. Belly for a borscht. Yeah. So yeah, you've got you've got your bellies full of borscht. Uh, you sleep one more night in the comfort of the inn and your homes, uh, and you ride out the next day. Uh, since you've got like sort of a roguish, rabbleous group, uh, what 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 animals do you ride out on? What what like, what is your beasts of burden, or do you just uh, travel swiftly on foot? Well, what do you know any animals in the setting, or is it? Just... It's you know this is a standard fantasy fair. Yeah. Um, hmm. well, all I know is that in the morning, you know, I don't I don't have a choice in the matter. I simply speak to Tomb in the painted stone that he speaks to me through, and he grants me. An animal every morning. So I, I do that again this morning. I have my, I wake up, I have my breakfast. That's good. And I, and I hold, I hold the stone to my ear and I wait for the voice of Chum to tell me what animal he will be giving me today. So I, I'm excited to go outside and see Good what it morning, is. Condor! <laughs> I, I, I kind of whisper quietly, 
it's, it, no one else can know about you, and I kind of shuffle off into the corner quietly, and I cop the stone so that nobody else can hear. Yes, yes! The privilege of worshipping me is yours and yours alone, <laughs> Condor! <clears throat> and it must remain that way. Sweet, 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 delicious Choom, what animal <laughs> will I be riding into battle today? I will gift you a beast! A beast worthy of your patronage, Condor! It waits for you on the front porch! Oh, um, Choom, the last time you said this, you sent two squirrels with saddles on the back. That didn't work out. I have a much better understanding of physical <laughs> dynamics and what a beast can or cannot accomplish. I think you're really going to like this one. Okay, well, I trust you, delicious Choom. Thank you so much for granting me <laughs> these beautiful animals. I, I'm excited to go out and, and ex- experience your holiness directly through the animals. Now, in order to receive your gift, you must bestow upon me the sweet, sweet supplication patronage. Lick me, Condor! Lick me and provide me with your sustaining saliva! As it was meant to be and always shall be, my lord, Toon. And I give it a mighty lick. <laughs> the, uh, stone... <laughs> You can't say that it uh, is really has any emotions or movements of it at all, but it looks fairly appreciative. Uh, and it, and it what you can to tell. Be fair, it doesn't matter that it looks or feels it. I know, I know. <laughs> That's what matters. Uh, so as you go out to the front porch, uh, you see uh, standing at about three feet tall is a large hog. Yeah. Um, outside. Uh, it looks at you uh, with the all the seriousness that a hog can muster nice. on its face and nods, uh, <laughs> signifying that it is part of the divine brotherhood uh, sent to you by your god. Perfect. Uh, what about the rest of you? Uh, after kind of drying out a bit, Inkwell is now kind of getting back to his his old self and uh being a charming fellow he's never actually purchased any sort of riding sure. uh steed or anything like that he always just kind of willies his way into like borrowing one and then just <laughs> not returning me <laughs> uh so he's over talking at a table um with a father and three daughters um asking just kind of so what, to, what did you need it for again just you know hey let me worry about that, and you just keep worrying about looking But I beautiful. don't understand the logistics. Yes, yeah, so no, no, this is my understanding, is a mm-hmm. dowry. Yes, yes. Uh, you will be <laughs> accepting one of my daughter's hands in exchange mm-hmm. for the use of the steed. Dad, but, you can't just, we're, we told you that we don't, you can't just marry us off. Oh, uh, well, our culture says differently. We've been respecting that culture for many, many generations just because your mother's head is full of all sorts of ideas. Doesn't mean that you get to be out of being a dowry. Look, you can borrow it. You just... This is a paladin, sweetheart. That's a good catch. You just need to understand that that doesn't mean that that anything's gonna... No one here is marrying you. Look, if you marry one of the university boys, they're gonna shrivel up and blow away. This is a strong paladin. You would make a great husband, right? I I appreciate that. I mean, you you seem a little bit more interested in me than your daughters, but I I, I would just say... Look uh, at his hair! (laughs) That's hair. You could bounce a quarter off that hair. He does That's have so great hair. firm and tight. He does have great mm-hmm. hair. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yes. No. I, absolutely. I, I don't. Whatever the culture. Whatever you want me to do, I'll agree to. 
I just need to see. Look, he's so agreeable. You're you're really the only to thing borrow to borrow the pony for five coins. That's the arrangement and a poem. Okay. And a poem. How about this? Yeah, the five, poem's really important. Five <laughs> coins and a date. Both of you, can you agree to the date? I'm not going to agree to a date. I told you this <sighs> isn't going to. You can pick. What do you mean? Where we go. I get to pick where we go? Mm-hmm. You're going to take me anywhere that I want to go. I'll go anywhere for one day. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. Great. Oh, great. This is going to be so good. Okay. I'm so happy about this. Of course you can borrow the horse. <laughs> All right, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for... Hey, I'm proud of you. Yeah, thanks, Dad. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you have a pony. I'm a pony. Uh, I have to write a poem. <laughs> the, like... Uh, you can take her to a really nice restaurant that mm-hmm. just opened up. Mm-hmm. As as you're walking away, you see the husband excited, the, 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 the father dad. excitedly uh, going up to the mother who's got her hands on his hips. Uh, he says something uh, and she slaps him across the side <laughs> of the head as you exit uh, leading the horse. Ooh. And uh, let's let's uh, cut over to Spridge. Spridge, what, what, what's uh, Spridge? Uh, what you got going? <laughs> Spridge uh, comes walking around the side of the tavern. Squeaky. Squeaky, squeaky, with this newfangled thing, the talk of the town. It's a bicycle! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she has an all-black bicycle. Uh, it's, uh, it's partially wooden, partially metal. That's, it's got these really weird-looking wheels. Uh, this artisan up, up the way just started making them, and, like, only the richest nobles have them. They're kind of a big deal. She's trying not to look too, too smug about it. She looks pretty dang, dang smug about it, though. So, uh, did you steal that or something? Or? No. No? No, you, you know, just, I just, you just save up. You save up? Just save I up. Just save up and you have that? Yeah. Okay. Nicely, right? I mean, hey. You can, uh, it has, uh, bars. You can sit on the back. Can, You're too short. You can sit in the basket. You can sit in the basket. You can sit in the basket. Okay, you know, yeah. maybe we can fly then, you know, I don't know. You can just, you know. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, fine. I think it's cool. I'll stick with my pony. <laughs> uh, that, that's a pretty cool Patting little device, pony. but it ain't no god hog. And I hop onto my onto my pig. <laughs> Condor, did you buy a pig? I paid for it. I paid for it. Let's just leave it at that. He, he was looking a lo- he was looking a rock before. That's it for One Shot This Week, Heroes, but don't worry, we'll be back with the continuation of our 13th Age game next week. If we piqued your interest with this game, don't forget you can get $5 off anything in the Pell Grain store, including 13th Age PDFs and books, by using the offer code 13thOneShot. That's 1-3-T-H-O-N-E-S-H-O-T. Heroes, I was incredibly excited to have Curtis on this episode. He does some amazing comics. If you haven't read Rat Queens, I absolutely recommend it. It is easily the best Dungeons & Dragons related comic that I have ever read. Rat Queens is fun, irreverent, swords and sorcery humor combined with really great character work and fantastic art. You can find Rat Queens wherever comics are sold and on Comixology. And if you're not into comics, but love actual play podcasts, and let's face it, we both know you do, you should check out Curtis's podcast, Bothan Banter. Similar to Campaign, Bothan Banter is an ongoing Star Wars Edge of the Empire game. 
Bothan Banter has a greater focus on the living world theory of role-playing. Curtis has a setting that reacts to his characters on a macro level, with several different factions interacting with one another in the background, rather than a world like the one in Campaign, where we peer in mostly on what the characters are doing and shape the world around them. It's really interesting to contrast the two groups, and Curtis's players are also really enjoyable, so I highly recommend his show. Thanks again to our sponsor, End Transmission Game. Be sure to check out Splinter on Kickstarter now. If you happen to be one of our backers on Patreon at the $15 a month plus level, which guarantees you to receive one-shot dice in the mail, Kat and I made a mistake when we originally set the level. We forgot to require you to give us your address. For the longest time, we assumed we were grappling with a glitch in the system. It was instead our fault for not checking the right boxes. However, you can still get your dice. Right now on Patreon, we have a post for our $15 plus backers. There, you can fill out your name and address information so that we can mail your dice out to you. If you haven't already, head over to the post. It'll ask you to fill out a Google form. That form will give us the address information that we need so that we can mail out your dice. It's probably going to take us a couple weeks to start hitting everybody, but people should start seeing dice in the mail soon. And I apologize about that delay. As many of you can imagine, Kat and I have been grappling with a lot, and we still have a lot of conventions looming on the way. Which means we're going to be starting up our quarterly games sometime in the fall. Since the quarterly games start at the $15 a month level, all of you dice backers should be looking for a golden ticket, along with your dice, to be in the first lottery game. To our $50 plus backers, only two of you have responded to the emails that I sent you about your birthday games. I'm going to be setting up a post for the $50 backers as well that will include a link to a Google form where you'll fill in some necessary information so that we can start running your birthday games. If you're listening to this right now thinking, gee, those rewards sound pretty awesome, then head over to our Patreon and become a backer. Be sure to check out the OneShot Podcast convention schedule starting up October 16th through 18th in Chicago, Illinois for ValorCon. Followed by Metatopia November 5th through 8th in Morristown, New Jersey. And finishing up with a Catacon November 13th through 15th in Oxford, Ohio. Also, be sure to check out this week's episode of Critical Success starring Avanel Wing of Double Exposure Entertainment, responsible for Metatopia. One Shot is a proud partner in the Chicago Podcast Co-op. Advertisers who are looking to reach an engaged Chicago audience, be sure to contact them about advertising opportunities. Listeners who are hoping to hear some new sweet, sweet pod jams, be sure to check out the Team GFB Radio Podcast. Dave Lang and Daryl Windsor share tales from the front line of game development and talk current events in the games industry. I know that should appeal to a lot of our one-shot listeners. As always, a big thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend about the show. You can also leave us a rating or review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. If you want to hear more from the show, be sure to follow us on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod. Check out our Tumblr at OneShotPodcast.tumblr.com. Check out our Google Plus community. Or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com.
If you're looking to inquire about advertising rates, live appearances, and commissioning episodes, or you have a question or comment about something you heard on the show, contact us at gamemaster at oneshotpodcast.com. One Shot is a joint production between Peaches and Hot Sauce and Paracosm Press. Peaches and Hot Sauce is a Chicago-based comedy network with tons of great podcasts, videos, and live shows for you to check out at peachesandhotsauce.com. Finally, that music, which is right now swelling up over my voice, is Be Your Own Pet with Adventure, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes! Okay.